Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hub Day edition of The Yard, 10 days away. 10 days away from the beginning of the 2023 Mississippi State football season. How cool is that? We're getting there, kids. Reminder, Dad, get your honeydew stuff done this weekend. I'm, I'm being your friend here. I keep laboring this point because I don't want you to have one guilty moment watching football. Have all your stuff done. Matter of fact, I got some stuff I got to do today. Wife's coming home today, so I got some stuff I got to do. A couple of things that, uh, you know, you just kind of learn to live with for a while. You just kind of becomes part of the scenery. You know, you walk by it. Then one day I got to get there and fix that. Got to get that claw hammer out, a couple of nails and Tack some stuff up. Got to get some stuff done, man. You know how it is. Especially when you've had your significant other away for a little bit. You want them to come back to a clean house and maybe some uh, some things done. So think about those you love. Make their life a little bit easier. And also to ease your own conscience a little bit, right? It's not all for everybody else. Sometimes it's very self-serving. Got to get things done around here so I can enjoy the things that I want to enjoy. So I encourage you again. Make good use of the weekend because come next weekend and pretty much every weekend the rest of the year, you're going to have an opportunity to watch college football and you want to be able to do that guilt-free. Get it done. Mom, if you hadn't done your uh, game day shopping, you hadn't planned out your stuff and uh, kind of got the family outfitted, you need to act now. We look forward to having you all here in Starkville. And uh, the university announced earlier this week Season tickets for Mississippi State football are sold out. We knew it was going to happen. You know, once the countdown kind of began, we knew it was simply a matter of time. Now, if you did not have the ability or the finances, perhaps, to secure season tickets for yourself, you can still, you know, do the flex plan. Still, uh, you know, that little flex plan deal they have, you can still get that. And there are also some single-game tickets available. You say, Steve, how can that be? Well, you don't allocate everything for season tickets, right? So we expect to have a handful of single-game sellouts this year. But if you didn't get season tickets, there will still be some tickets to be had through the Mississippi State Ticket Office. I'm very much an advocate for that. You need to make sure to check the Mississippi State Ticket Office first before you go to SeatGeek and StubHub and places like that or Facebook Marketplace. And you can buy tickets at face value rather than having to go and pay all these uh, these fees. In addition to that, too, uh, you're not going to get scammed by buying through the ticket office. Uh, I, there was a, I guess it was StubHub. We were in Omaha in 2021, and Ani and Betsy and uh, my lovely granddaughter, Vivi, came to celebrate the finals with us, and they bought some tickets through uh, StubHub and then had trouble getting the tickets delivered and had to miss game one of the finals. That's a long way to drive. 
to not have tickets. Now, we lost that game, and uh, StubHub did make it right. We were able to get some better tickets, got upgraded for the other two games. But uh, that's a lot of anxiety you don't want to deal with. So buying direct from the Mississippi State Ticket Office is always, always, always your best option. You get certified tickets at face value, a little bit of a convenience fee, you know, rather than uh, you know, going out there on the third-party market and hoping you don't get scammed. And even though these people say your tickets are guaranteed, uh, they, they may give you your money back, but you, you don't get your money back for the money you wasted on your hotel room, uh, your gas, meals, and things like that. So be sure to secure your tickets whenever possible through the Mississippi State Ticket Office. I'm being your friend here and letting you know that is the best way to go. Always, always, always check there first. You could do it online. Go there, pick out the uh, the seating charts, available tickets, and you can pick your tickets. And then next thing you know, you've got uh, your digital ticket right there on your phone. Very, very convenient. Now, like it was years ago. I'm, I'm from the 1900s when there was no internet. And you'd have to walk up there and buy a ticket at the, uh, in a long line at the ticket office and things like that. And, and um, kind of go from there. So a lot of convenience these days, but it also makes it easier for people to scam you. We have a ticket board over at jeanspage.com as well and uh, we have made that vip to kind of keep these interlopers you know these people that set up some fake account come in there and want to scam you out of your hard-earned money Uh, there's nothing we can do uh you know to compensate you but uh, we do do our best to ensure that uh, it's only verified members that are a part of the ticket forum Uh, but nevertheless excited about uh these uh season tickets being sold out of course first time since 2015 and capacity is not what it once once was due to the balconies. But um, all of that said, you can still buy tickets to bring your kids to games or come with friends or family or uh, reunite with some friends from college. Or maybe if you didn't even go to school at State, you're just a big fan. You can still get tickets. You're just not going to be able to get season tickets because those have been completely exhausted. And good on you, Bulldog fans, for making that happen. Good on you. A lot of people are talking about it today. Well, how many tickets are there? Does it matter? The bottom line is this. It's this fan base is lining up behind Zach Arnett and this staff and this football program. We're ready to move forward, expecting a really big year uh, this year here in Stark Vegas. Uh, make uh, Bulldog Burger Company part of your game day experience whenever you can. Bulldog Burger Company, a great place to work, a great place to dine, uh, three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Uh, maybe stop on your way, you know, because when you come on game day in Starkville, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you got to wait a little while. It's a great place to go chill and hang out before or after ball game. But uh, maybe if you're coming up from the south, you swing through the Lake Harbor Drive location, you're coming in from the northeast, uh, swing through Tupelo. And have that great restaurant quality hamburger. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer that make you and everybody around you better looking. Uh, I love Bulldog Burger Company. I will be there this week uh, to enjoy their fine cuisine. Probably going to get that Nutella shake to go to. Definitely got to get the spring rolls. Looked in the mirror this morning. I said, you know what? I'm a little bit spring roll deficient. Got to fix that. Maybe drink a water, get some spring rolls, kind of get my uh, youthful exuberance back. You know, meet you guys next week, and uh, you'll be wanting to get a picture with me. I want to make sure I'm looking my best. 
So thanks to Bulldog Burger Company, I can do that. Be sure and check them out. Bulldog Burger Company, a place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. It is the home debut of the Zach Arnett era. And uh, let, you know, even though Zach Arnett is 1-0, and of course, the bowl game was his debut. I took the liberties of kind of looking back here and said, okay, look, you know, we've had a pretty good run here with uh, you know, home debuts and even season openers for basically a generation or more at Mississippi State. In fact, you got to go all the way back to 1979. I know, young people, that, that sounds like a century ago, but it wasn't. Your good friend, the host, was in the second grade then. Uh, Miss Barbara Hale was my second grade teacher. I wrote my first book as a seventh grader, cut out some pictures of the paper, got some notebook paper and a stapler, wrote a little story, stapled it together, and then she criticized me for my penmanship. So I've had critics from the very beginning as an author. But all that said, that's the last time that a new Bulldog football coach lost a season opener in year one. Emory Ballard, of course, was replaced uh, by Rocky Felker, one of our favorite sons. Man, we love Rocky, don't we? We absolutely do. Love Rocky. Love that family. Rocky opened up as your new coach in 1986. First ball game of the Rocky Felker era came on the road at Syracuse. We went up to the Carrier Dome and won that ball game 24-17. The next week, we traveled to Knoxville, Tennessee, and beat the Volunteers, the number eight Volunteers in Neyland Stadium, 27-23. You've seen the big Don Smith run. It's been, you know, it's been a highlight of our program you know, for much of uh, you know, the last 40 years or so. It's true. The next week, we lose to Southern Miss, and we beat Florida. We beat Memphis. We beat Arkansas State. We beat Tulane. We rise to as high as 13 in the polls. And never could quite get there. You know, we lose to we lose out the, the, to close out the year. Auburn, Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, and um, only scored twelve points combined in those final four ball games. But we were offered the opportunity. This is back before the SEC kind of uh, put the bowl pairings together. We were offered the opportunity to play in the Independence Bowl with a six and one record. We elected to pass on that and thought, Nah, we're going to find a way to win a couple games down the stretch. We're going to go to a major bowl game. We didn't. We didn't go to any bowl game. We finished the year six and five. And again, that's a year that we were as high as 13 in the country. And then ended up not playing a postseason ball game. But a decent first year for Rocky. Things really didn't go well from there, you know. And uh, obviously, we end up making a change, you know, just a few years later. I mean, you know, Rocky, again, a beloved son of Mississippi State. Things just didn't work out the way we had hoped with him as a head coach. And at the time, he was the youngest head coach in college football. Uh, people forget that, too. Looking back, too, Dave Rader was our offensive coordinator back in 86. But 87, we go 4-7. and seven. 88 is the infamous Tech and 10-year. We open up winning 21-14 against Louisiana Tech in a very tightly contested ball game. We won that game 21-14, and things just kind of went south from there. 89, Rocky uh, gets back to five wins. And then um, 90, same situation. You know, we felt like we were kind of back on the right track in 89. Uh, 90, we matched that again with a 5-6 and six record. 
and ultimately made a change. Had a tough time winning Egg Bowls and things of that nature. But uh, in 91, we bring in Jackie Sherrill. Now, a lot of people remember, like, their first big memory of Jackie Sherrill as our coach is the big win over Texas, number 13, Texas. Well, that was actually week two of the 1991 season. Mississippi State beat Cal State Fullerton. The Titans made their way to Stark Vegas, and we beat them 47-3. to The next week, we beat Texas to move to 2-0. And then we take down Tulane, absolutely destroyed them, made a debut at number 25 in the polls. Lose at Neyland to number 6, Tennessee, 26-24, in a game that many people feel like we should have won. It's a big, big game. We didn't. Could you imagine what it would have been like in Starkville if we'd be able to pull that off and be 4-0, probably ranked in the top 15 in the country? We lose the next week in Orlando. You know, back in those days, we sold home games, basically rented stadiums out and other places, and uh, we lose to Florida. I mean, I don't know anybody could consider a home game against Florida in Orlando as a home game for us. We bounce back to beat Kentucky, then lose to Memphis State. That was probably – kind of the outlier on the schedule. Bounced back to beat Auburn. Nearly pulled off the upset of number seven Alabama at Bryant-Denny. We lose 13-7. to We beat LSU and then beat Ole Miss and uh, advanced to the Liberty Bowl where we, uh, we lost to Air Force uh, 38-15. I watched that ball game at Pine Grove Recovery. How about that? But we had some good years under Jack. Bulldog fans, many of us grew up in a time – we didn't lock our doors. We didn't feel the need to. We didn't have a need to. But the world is a much different place today than it was when we were much younger. Surely you've seen your neighbors have these video doorbells and things of that nature. You can have the same peace of mind, but also the convenience that you grew up with, with our friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y. Very, 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 very simple product here. Very easy to install, and you set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. No drilling required, no power tools, anything like that. You get the keyless entry. You don't have to fumble around with the keys when you got your hands full. You never have to worry about your kids losing their keys, or perhaps you've got a rental property and you worry about people passing that key around. You also don't have the anxiety of having this battery that goes down on you. It's Guys, you got four months of power here, and you get a low battery notification before it runs out so you can charge it back up. It's pretty simple. There's no monthly fee, unlike a lot of other brands that charge you that fee. You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. Uh, Eufy is also on standby for you 24-7, and you can get a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or even live chat, which is awfully, awfully convenient. And here's the thing. There's just so much out there in the world these days. Wouldn't it be nice to know maybe who visited your door when you're out or perhaps have the security of knowing that you've got video surveillance anytime somebody comes to your door? We absolutely can. Make sure that you look for Eufy Video Lock. That's visit E-U-F-Y official.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete troll of your door. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo 
get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. And uh, we had some other years that were just kind of, uh, you know, disappointing, shall we say. Uh, you know, we get to the 92 season and uh, have a 7-5 and five record. And uh, lose to Peach Bowl to North Carolina. We felt like, hey, we're on good, we're on, you know, in good, good shape. Ninety-three, we go four, five, and two. With first-year offensive coordinator Bruce Arians, that name may sound familiar to you. In ninety-four, we kind of right the ship a little bit. End up uh, eight and three in a regular season. We lose to Peach Bowl again to NC State. Nineteen ninety-five, we go three and eight. Everybody was, like, calling for Arians to go. He did. We brought in Lynn Amity in 96. We go 5-6. and six. And people were like, okay, this has probably run its course. But in 97, things began to change. 97, the Bulldogs go 7-4. and four, And uh, those of you that were alive back then remember, you know, the winner of the Egg Bowl was going to get a chance to go play in the Motor City Bowl. Well, that proved to be Ole Miss. That's the Corey Peterson two-point conversion deal. Hazelwood... 
Uh, missed a big field goal. I thought we mismanaged that situation. Probably should not have played quite as conservatively, but we did trying to set up a field goal to, to kind of give us a uh, a little room to operate here. We end up losing it. Ole Miss goes on to win the Motor City Bowl against Marshall and Randy Moss. We sat home with a 7-4 and record. But it was a winning year. 1998, of course, a year that we'll never forget. Jackie Sherrill and the Bulldogs uh, win the SEC West for the only time in school history. We lose to eventual NAFL champion Tennessee in the SEC championship game 24-14. to uh, You recall, though, State had a 14-10 lead in that fourth quarter because lightning has struck. Remember that? The Kevin Prentice punt return? It was a defensive slobber knocker much of that ball game. And then we lose the uh, Cotton Bowl. 99, we're right back in the thick of things and uh, really got off to a great start, even though a lot of people didn't fully appreciate how good we were that year. State goes and takes on uh, number 11 Alabama as an undefeated team. Pretty crazy in hindsight. We're 8-0 and ranked 8th in the country. And go play Alabama. We lose the ball game 19-7. The big moment that game was Shamari Buchanan. They've been setting up to play the entire ball game. You know, running that little bubble screen, running the bubble screen. And he had been kind of a lead blocker out there uh, for much of the ball game. And then late when they had it set up, we bite on the bubble. They pump fake and Buchanan slips out behind us and goes in for a touchdown to put them up 19-7, which is the final score. It was a 12-7 ball game. I remember Kelvin Love had a couple of big catches earlier. We just could not get things going offensively. And then, basically, Bama beats us twice. We lose the next week in Little Rock to Arkansas. You remember Fred Smooth had an incredible interception return. It was negated by a false block in the back penalty. We dropped the game 14-9, removed all possibility of returning to Atlanta. We did bounce back to beat Ole Miss and uh, ultimately won the Peach Bowl against Clemson. One of the better years in Mississippi State football history. Things began to unravel a little bit in 2000, even though we had a a good year. Should have gone to the Outback Bowl, uh, ended up having the snowball there, the Independence Bowl. And in 2001, you know, you're 3-8. Things did not get better. 2002, we're 3-9. 2003, we're 2-10. 2-10. Terrible. Uh, managed to win one SEC game that year uh, against Vanderbilt and then beat Memphis. We had back-to-back wins there that made us 2-4, and four, and you thought maybe, just maybe, but no. The league was really good that year, and we were not. So we make a coaching change, and we bring in Sylvester Croom, and uh, I still submit to you that one of the main reasons Sylvester Croom was a candidate for our job is basically how he was treated at Alabama. I don't know they really, truly got a fair shake. They elected to hire Mike Shula over Sylvester Croom, uh, the thing that Kroom did that was much different, you know, our reputation around college football at Mississippi State at the time in the later years of the Jackie Show era is that, uh, you know, we had a bunch of Bolsheviks. You know, we had a bunch of guys that just kind of were undisciplined, you know, people that didn't handle their business on and off the field. Fair or unfair, that was our reputation. And I remember being in an alumni event uh, down in New Orleans and heard Sylvester Kroom, and he told us that's the reputation of the NFL – about Mississippi State players if they're undisciplined. Now, true or untrue, that's what he said. So he, you know, promised to restore some discipline to our program. Of course, Coach Crone went and spoke before the Committee on Infractions at the end of our uh, NCAA investigation and said, I will never be back here, never. And he meant it, and he ran a bunch of players off, and I think he probably didn't need to do that. I think we tried maybe a little bit too hard and overcorrected in many respects, 
Uh, there were some players that got run off for really kind of minor things, and I, I think we were way too hard-edged. But those that remained were very disciplined. They may not have been extremely talented, but they played exceptionally hard. We opened up the Sylvester Croom era with a 28-7 win over Tulane. So the third consecutive coach of that generation wins the season opener of their first official season. We got blasted by Auburn the next week. We lose the main game. That's one of those ones that even now in hindsight you look back and it just doesn't compute. But we did. Had a chance to put that game away, uh, make it a 14-3 game. Fred Reed and Fred played well for us, but sadly that's how most people remember him. Fred with a big fumble going into the end zone. They would have put the game away. Maine puts a drive together, goes down, scores, beats us 9-7. to Then we get absolutely destroyed at LSU, 51-0. Vandy gets us 31-13, and UAB gets us 27-13. Those are games you can't lose, but we did. Again, I think that goes back to kind of the, the, uh, the purging of the roster. And somehow, some way, we found a way to beat Florida at 38-31. Remember how crazy that was? It's nuts, man. You look back, to, again, we, we lost to Maine, Vandy, and UAB and managed to upset number 20, Florida. The next week, we bounce back and take care of Kentucky. So you look up, you say, hey, we're three and four. Can you find a way to win out? No. We had to go to Alabama. Played them tough, but we lost. Lose by a field goal to Arkansas and then lose the egg ball 20 to three. But a lot of people felt like, hey, we're headed in the right direction here. We're not especially talented, but we did play hard. Uh, you know, 2006, 2005, excuse me, we go three and eight. 2006, we go three and nine. And a lot of people are, you know, calling for a coaching change. But there are a lot of people also that said, you know what, let's give Croom one more year, see how things go. What does he do? We get back to respectability. We go 7-5 and five in a regular season. We win the Liberty Bowl over uh, Central Florida to cap the season with a 10-3 W. Uh, Derek Pegues, your most outstanding player of the ballgame. Sylvester Croom was later awarded SEC Coach of the Year. Uh, yeah, good stuff. And we thought, okay, all right. All right, we're, we're, in, we're going in the right direction. And then 2008 happens, and we go 4-8. and eight. And it was terrible. I shared this story on uh, the jeanspage.com message boards uh, earlier this week. You know, we had won uh, three games at this point. We open up and lose the Louisiana Tech game. And people forget that Louisiana Tech game, we came out on fire. West Carroll takes us right down the field, and, you know, it's just nuts, man. I mean, you look up and you're like, Oh, what's happening here? Okay, all right, we're good, we're good, we're good. And then we muff a punt. And it's like that game, Derek Pegues was suspended. We had uh, Jamel Smith fielding punts for us. It just didn't go well for us. And uh, we lose the ballgame 22-14, did not play well outside of that first quarter. And we lose. The next week, we played Southeastern Louisiana, our season opener again this year for the first time. Beat those guys 34-10. We were not impressive, even though we won – we get down 3 nothing in that ball game, and then in the middle quarters, we push it out 34-3. Uh, Kroom was one of those kind of guys that liked to take his foot off the gas. The next week is the infamous 3-2 ball game with Auburn. Then we get blasted at Georgia Tech. We have a pretty competitive game down at Tiger Stadium, but we, we were never really in striking distance to those guys, even though we lost by 10. Tyson, Tyson Lee kind of made his uh, debut in that ball game and did some interesting things. The next week, we beat Vanderbilt. Carlin Brown's shining moment. Under-recruited and undersized linebacker from Lincoln High School in Tallahassee, Florida, has a pick. 
uh, basically to end the game for us. And Vanderbilt was ranked 13th in the country at that time. It wasn't your typical Vandy team. We get blasted by Tennessee, then we beat middle, and you think, okay, all right, we've won two of the last three. You got three wins. You got four games left. Can you get three of the last four? And the, the truth of the matter is it seemed feasible at the time. And one of those was Alabama. So you knew you weren't going to get Alabama. Even though you had beaten Alabama uh, back-to-back years, you just felt like Alabama with Nick Saban was at a different level at that point. And they were. We lose to Kentucky 14-13. That game we missed an extra point and had a uh, you know field goal late. Adam Carlson had one go off the upright. We end up losing a ball game, which basically removed all possibility of us becoming ball eligible because we were not going to be able to get Alabama. And uh, Greg Byrne went to the Bryan building. We didn't have a seal complex then. And I remember talking to Greg after the fact. He said he was so distraught about the loss, he decided to get some work done. And he looked up a couple hours into his day, and none of our football coaches were there. And it's like it's the day after a debilitating loss. Why would we not be up there trying to find a way? Especially since we'd beaten Alabama back-to-back years. You know, we'd think, okay, let's put a game plan together and see if we can't salvage something of the season. We didn't. And that's kind of when the thought process began about, you know what, we got to make a change. We get beat by Alabama 32-7. We bounce back on senior day to beat Arkansas 31-28. They had a late field goal attempt, too, to try to tie it. It didn't work out. But uh, we played exceptionally well uh, in that ball game. Even though Arkansas wasn't a great team, we still found a way to get a dub. And then we go to Ole Miss, and we get beat 45 nothing. Now, I remember people that I trust and know very well said the bottom line was this. We just needed to go be competitive against Ole Miss. If we could win, huge bonus. But if we can go out there and compete, you give uh, Crew another year, and give him the opportunity, of course, uh, to hire Al Borges as the offensive coordinator, former Auburn offensive coordinator Woody McCorby, was beginning to have some health issues. We get beat 45-0. And to be honest with you, Ole Miss could have beat us. They could have named their score that day. Uh, we had some guys quit in that ball game. Uh, Brandon McRae, great guy, man, had a terrible injury on that terrible turf up there. Um, you know, we had some guys that just did not do what they needed to do and that was the end of the Sylvester Croom era. And, of course, we bring in Malwan in 2009. He gets Jackson State. We win that game 45-7, to and some, which, again, makes him the fourth consecutive coach to win season opener in his first official season. That year we ended up going 5-7, and seven, and we should have gone to a bowl game. You remember that Houston ball game, right? We had the uh, completion of Leon Berry down the field. They called us for a legal forward pass, and Mullen didn't challenge it. And he said in postgame, that was my mistake. It was a game-changing play. And then late, we're driving down, trying to tie the game. And we have a you know, we have a fumble at the match point, man. We're trying to run a little zone read there. And Tyson Lee, and this, I think it was AD. But either way, we fumbled the football. We lose to a decent Houston team, a game we should have won. Uh, play Florida pretty close up here. We just didn't have the horses, right? That's the Jonathan Banks two-pick game, right? And then um, the LSU game is the one that sticks out to me. We lose that game 30-26, and we make a, a, a play on special teams, get Chad Jones on the ground, you win the game. That's the game, too, where we tried to do the jump pass to Marcus Green, and then Tyson Lee had a chance uh, to either give it to Dixon or pitch it to Ducray, and he elects to take it, and they stop him short of the goal line. The, uh, the talk of po- that post-game locker room uh, it's the stuff of legends. It's a game we absolutely should have won. Uh, so of course, you know, 
Mullen, 2010, we had the big year, go 9-4, win the Gator Bowl, destroy Michigan. 2011, we reached the end of a talent cycle, but still managed to get a bowl win and a winning season, 6-6, six and six, uh, regular season, then a win over Wake Forest in the Music City Bowl. 2012, uh, we lose the Gator Bowl to Northwestern. Really didn't play well in that ball game. Tyler Russell uh, loved that kid to death. That's probably not his shining moment. He had a tough ball game. Uh, but we lost to a team that's uh, good, but they weren't as good as us. 2013, this is the beginning of the Dak Prescott era in some respects. You know, still Tyler Russell's uh, team, but Tyler got banged up against Oklahoma State. It kind of lingered. But uh, 2013, you know, we have the Egg Bowl win. You know, Dak comes in in that triumphant fourth quarter. And then we go on to beat Rice, what, 51-3, to whatever it was, something ridiculous like that. And I remember some people thinking Rice was going to get us. Well, no, no, they didn't. Of course, 14, uh, we finished the year 10-3, and lose the Orange Bowl, one of the uh, most – 2014, one of the best years in Mississippi State football history. 2015, Dak's senior year, we uh, underachieved, even though we went 9-4. and I think even with that, in hindsight, people say, you know what, we dropped some games we shouldn't, especially that one to LSU early in the year. We really, really, really should have won that ball game. And then uh, we win the Belk Bowl and send Dak off on a winning note. 16, of course, uh, you know, the losing year, but we get in the APR. We beat Miami, Ohio. It was good. It was. Nelson Adams' biggest highlight got to go to postgame, uh, blocking the field goal to end the, uh, the ball game. Nick Fitzgerald, decent ball game for him. 2017, of course, under Mullen, the final year. He did not coach a bowl game, Greg Knox did. We win and finished the year 9-4. and four. And, again, I think most people look back and think that's another year where we missed some opportunities. Felt like, too, with Ty Grantham, a bowl, we had finally – Mullen maybe found his guy on defense that kind of matched his same level of intensity. Couldn't get it done. 2019, of course – excuse me, 2018, the debut of the Joe Moorhead era. And um, – you know, the thing that I remember about this, and there was so much conversation about this, is, you know, Joe was supposed to be, you know, the dude, right? I mean, like, hey, this is the number one offensive uh, coordinator in the country, the top, you know, coaching candidate out there, the, the next coordinator that's going to rise to be a Power 5 head coach. He, he comes in here. We have a preseason top 20 team. We blast Stephen F. Austin 63-6. And I understand there was a, a, a big talent differential in this matchup. But the thing that impressed me about this game is schematically we had guys running wide open all the time. Like we ran so much out there with, um, you know, misdirection and things like that. We Osiris Mitchell was just absolutely open all day long. And Osiris Mitchell was a good player for us. He wasn't an elite player by any stretch of the imagination. But schematically it looked like, okay, well, this is going to make a little sense. Then we go to Kansas State, and we beat those guys up there in Little Apple 31-10, kind of the coming-out party for Colin Hill. You think, okay, we found something. Then we blast UL Lafayette 56-10. We're good, right? We got one of the best defenses in the country. And then we go to Kentucky and lay an absolute egg. And I, people forget, you know, Brian Cole made a big interception in the second half that gave us a chance to kind of climb back into this, despite the fact we had some terrible officiating and some very undisciplined play. We went backwards on the drive, and the next thing you know, Benny Snell runs in for a touchdown and uh, really puts the game away. It was a terrible, terrible night. And a lot of people were off the bandwagon. They said, you know what? 
we played Dan Mullen in Florida next week. You beat Dan, all's forgiven. And we went out there, and we didn't play well. We lose 13-6. to Defensively, we were outstanding. And if you remember the difference in the ballgame, Jonathan Abram goes down with a bit of an injury. He does come back. But while he's out, we bring in the backup safety, who was a walk-on, and Mullen dials up the double pass. And, of course, an inexperienced player bites, bites on the bubble, lets a guy get behind him, ends up being a difference in the game. And offensively, all of a sudden, we begin to really question ourselves. And offense was an issue just about the rest of the year. But we do get Auburn. Uh, we lose at LSU. And, again, same situation defensively. We, we absolutely played lights out. Couldn't score. You beat A&M. You beat Louisiana Tech. We lose at Alabama. That's the, the, uh, the famous Jeff Batts game where Colin Hill dives into the end zone, and they call that fake block in the back on Dedrick Thomas. Cost Jeff Batts uh, his SEC officiating job too uh, you blast Arkansas and Chad Morris you, you beat Ole Miss to death that's the um, that's the moment in many respects Joe kind of came our coach you know that's when they when uh, Joe made the comment you know not gonna have this guy here popping off to my Ross Bjork and that's when he had the flag planning deal right and a lot of people are like you know what Joe was our coach now he's one of us and then we looked so incredibly unprepared uh, for the Outback Bowl and Nick missed a couple reads in that ball game, but defensively we're playing great. And next thing you know, we make a silly penalty and extend a drive for them, and uh, they get a lead. And they began to believe we were the better team, but they won. They won the ball game. Of course, 2019 only two years for uh, Joe Moorhead. 19, you know, we were we were a team that we expected to kind of have modest expectations. We go six and six, had to win the Egg Bowl to get bowl eligible. We lose to Louisville in the Music City Bowl. And I've said this before on the show, maybe you've forgotten. I knew Joe wasn't going to make it during post-game of the Music City Bowl because he gets out this little talking point sheet. He says, I don't want the loss of this ball game to erase all the positives for this year. And I sat there and thought to myself, as much as I like Joe, Joe just doesn't get it. Joe just doesn't get it. We had so many problems that year. So many, and it was clear that we were running off the rails. And you know, initially, you're like, okay, you know, need to give the guy three years, right? You know, we squandered an AFL championship defense in 2018. In 2019, things are really turning the wrong direction. And while I know that John Cohen is not some of you all's favorite person, he is a friend of mine. He made a difficult decision and fired Joe Moorhead after just two years. This didn't happen. It doesn't happen. But we fired him. We hired Mike Leach. And, of course, then COVID rolls in. We don't know if we're going to have uh, football. We do. And the first game of the Mike Leach era, we go down and beat the defending NAFL champion LSU Tigers in Tiger Stadium. It was The game was 44-34. But if K.J. Costello doesn't miss on a couple throws, this is a huge blowout in favor of your Bulldogs. And, of course, the year did not go very well. We only uh, won two more regular season games. We did get into the bowl game kind of by default. And we're able to win that ball game, and so that kind of brings us to where we are now. Of course, you know, you know, Leach, uh, twenty-one, the first winning season, we were seven and six, uh, lose the ball game, which really upset people. We lose the egg ball and the bowl game, and you feel like things are starting to slip. And then last year, Leach and um, and company really responded. So that brings us today, you know, to Zach Arnett. And so Arnett again has already won the debut, but the first season opener of his career will take place on September second. And uh, he has a chance to be the seventh consecutive 
first year Mississippi State head coach to win his debut. He's playing an FCS team. He certainly should. But I thought it'd be interesting, again, just to kind of go back and look in hindsight to see, you know, kind of how things kind of paired up and how we've done. And, again, all, you go all the way back to 1979 when a Bulldog coach lost the season opener in his first official season. So it's another streak that we expect to keep going. Um, and hopefully we don't have to have this discussion again for several years. Hopefully Arnett is successful and is with us for several more years, and we don't have to talk about this streak Right, and, and bear in mind there will be people that that'll come up as we get into um, into next week. You know these numbers. You know six consecutive Mississippi State head coaches have won their season opener debut, and so now you know you already know the history. You won't be surprised by that. You won't have to do the math because your good friend and host has taken you through that. It is time for today's top 10 list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Or you can reach him direct. You know, maybe uh, Al Gore's internet is not a friend of yours. Maybe you haven't mastered all of that. Give him a call today or text. 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Blair has been in the mortgage industry 22 years. Nobody stays in any industry that long without a great measure of success. And that's Blair. Top 1% close ratio in the country back-to-back-to-back years. Uh, I've shared with you recently that it is now permissible for an 18-year-old to sign a mortgage document. Maybe you can utilize that to help them build some adult credit or perhaps get them into home ownership, right? A lot of great examples, and uh, Blair can take you through all that. It's not a very complicated process, but it is something that has never been available before, at least not in the modern era. So reach out to Blair for all your mortgage needs. Again, 601-500-2344. All right. It struck me today we have not done a top ten list of one of my favorite bands. I love this band, and I love the fact that they're so positive. They're a band that uh, does, at times, sing about some very dark things. It's a band called Disturbed. And you would say, Steve, how can a band called Disturbed be positive? Well, they are. In the infancy of uh, my Twitter relationship, uh, David Draymond, a singer from Disturbed, was a guy that... uh, used to interact with from time to time. And uh, he's very responsive to his uh, Twitter followers back then. Uh, Ultimately left Twitter for a while due to anti-Semitism. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Dave Draymond is a devout Jew. He was a guy that uh, was raised in a very, very, very devout family. Rejected those teachings for many years. Elected to come back into the faith. It's one of the reasons he doesn't have tattoos, because he ultimately wants to be buried in a Jewish cemetery. Yeah, true story. Uh, Dave is also a guy that uh, has struggled some with addiction issues. He's a guy that has battled depression. He recently had a big uh, speech on stage about some of those things. Uh, got divorced earlier this year. You may recall that uh, he was married, for you WWE fans, he was married to Lena for over a decade they have children together, and uh, he went through the, uh, you know, I guess, you know, the, the loss of his marriage and family in many respects, and uh, battled some, some demons and depression issues, and has been very open and transparent about that. And so 
Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the list. But uh, if, for those of you that follow Disturbed, they've had some really big covers. They had a huge hit with uh, their cover of Simon and Garfunkel's classic song, The Sound of Silence. It is an incredible rendition of that track. Uh, Land of Confusion from Genesis, that was a big hit for them as well. They even covered uh, Faith No More's Midlife Crisis. That's on the compilation album, Lost Children. It's kind of like some B-sides that didn't make an album or whatever. But uh, they've done a great job uh, with covers. And so if you uh, would like to check those out, you should. A couple tracks that didn't make our list today is uh, Bad Man. It was re-released here about two months ago. They had a new mix they released. And a track called Unstoppable. Yeah, very, very inspirational track. And again, I like Dave Draymond's approach to life. I uh, appreciate his transparency, but uh, this is a guy, too, from the very first time that I saw the video for our number one song, I thought, you know what? These guys are going to be around. Incredible guitar, incredible vocals, and uh, Dave Draymond is kind of unlike anybody else. Does a great job of working um, you know, kind of the grunt and then the melody. It's a little different deal. All right, number 10, a great track is Are You Ready? Yeah, and, and it's one of those songs, too, where you just hear, you can just kind of feel it. There's some authenticity in what Dave's talking about. You know, are you ready? And, and that could be a number of things, right? Are you ready? And a lot of it's just about the next part of your life. Because many of us lead an accidental life, and I've been guilty of that at times in my life, too. I got old in my 30s. I did. I look, look back at some pictures of myself. I don't even recognize that guy, man. I think I look older back then than I do today. Got a few more wrinkles these days, a few more gray hairs, but uh, got old in my 30s. I did. Number nine, the title track from their second album. They had a great debut, The Sickness. And they followed up with an album called Believe. Our number nine song is the title track from that album, Believe. Yeah, you're sensing a theme here, right? If you're looking for a band that is uplifting and they rock at the same time, Disturbed is your band. Number eight. What are you waiting for? Again, kind of sticking with the theme here, right? What are you waiting for? I mean, how many times in life, I mean, it's like we hear this when we're young. It's like if you wait for the right time, it'll never happen because it'll never never be the right time. There's so many things in my life. I look back over the pathology of my life, and it's like I always wanted to write books. Just didn't know how to go about it. And it's like, you know what? I just have to do it, right? And kind of willed that into existence. And uh, book number six will be out here in a few weeks. It's exciting. So what are you waiting for? What is it you've put off in your life? You know, and, and it's not just about taking the big vacation or something like that or having that great experience. But, you know, what is it that you haven't accomplished in life? That's kind of what the song is about. What are you waiting for? You just waiting for somebody to discover you? It's not going to happen. You got to go make it happen for yourself. Number seven, a song of unity and defiance. Another title track, it's 10,000 Fists. That's right. It's basically about going to a show, right? You go to a show and you know, sell out crowd or whatever. And for a little while, we can forget about, you know, you know, being parents or paying bills or being a cog in the machine. We can just go enjoy life a little bit. And I ha- I experience a lot, man. It's like kind of like the whole, uh, you know, Bodie thing from Point Break, right? It's like uh, it's where I lose myself and find myself at the same time. I love going to shows. It's kind of a mental reset for me. Just kind of being around my people. Number six, it's another way to die. Yeah, that's right. And, and again, it's again, it's a song, even though it's kind of about a negative topic, there's a negative connotation to this. That's kind of what it's about. It's like you make these mistakes in life. So much of this is a will to power within ourselves. 
I mean, how many times do you look back on your life and say, you know what, I'm the one that put myself in this situation. I'm the one that did this to myself. You know, if I had made a better decision, right, that would be the deal, right? And so you get involved in negative things, and it's like I had a discussion with my wife this morning. I won't go into detail because I don't want to breach somebody else's privacy. But, yes, it's amazing the situations we find ourselves in. And then we think, oh, well, I can't believe this happened to me. No, 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 no. Sometimes life is accidental. But other times you make really stupid decisions. Like I know people, one of my favorite things is these people that get out here, well, you know, things happen for a reason. Sometimes the reason is you're incredibly stupid. Yeah, and I, I think about your good friend and host. How many times have I put myself into a stressful and anxious situation because of my own bad decision? And that's even being as clean and sober. There's some, like the dumb things that happen in my life at the center of it all is me making a bad decision or me doing something stupid or just kind of waiting for something to happen or going out there doing things that sometimes are beneath my moral and my moral fiber, right? I mean, how many times did it happen? You start trying to convince yourself, well, you talk yourself into it. Well, that's the right thing to do. You know, and this person's mistreated me or whatever, you know, and so you start justifying and rationalizing your own negative behavior. You put yourself in a bad spot. Number five, a track called Inside the Fire. This is actually about... Uh, Dave Draymond, when he was a teenager, fell in love with this girl, and uh, she was a drug addict, and eventually ended up killing herself. And that's what the song is about, is Inside the Fire. And at some point, we've all been touched by addiction, depression, uh, anxiety, suicide. I-, I wrote about that at length yesterday on my Facebook page. If you're a friend or a follower, you can go read that. Uh, the thing that, that I'm reminded of so much about life is like, you know, look at all the things that I would have missed right? You start thinking about that and the pathology of your own life and say, you know what, if I had done this, it's not to say that you have regrets or sometimes you have these triumphant moments and say, you know what, the best thing I ever did was decide to keep fighting, which leads us to number four. And it's unlike any other song in the catalog and it's unlike any song on our list. It's a great song called A Reason to Fight. And it's basically about beating back the demons of depression and suicidal thoughts and things of that nature. It, it, I get chills even talking about this song. It, just, it simply means so much to me. And uh, that was what kind of sparked David's... Uh, you can find a speech on YouTube. It's a couple minutes long, and he talks about uh, missing our friends, you know, in music, missing Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park, missing Chris Cornell, missing Scott Wyland. And he said, you know, a couple months ago, I almost joined him. And uh, that's a very powerful statement for somebody to admit that because we always want to put our best foot forward. And one of the things I think is important to always remember is uh, there are people around us. And uh, I think about, you know, my own children, right? And uh, I think about your children. And here's the deal. Dad, you're the closest thing to Batman that your kids are ever going to know. And Mom... You're the closest thing to Wonder Woman they're ever going to know. Because in their eyes, you're performing miracles, right? I know my parents made it look so easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. They hid a lot of stuff from me. Not that there was a lot of negativity in my life, but you know, they hid that from me as parents should. Children should not be involved in adult issues. You know, they should know that uh, your debit card is going to be declined if you go to the store, if you go to McDonald's. They should know that. 
you got to find a way to shield them from that. You can be transparent about life, but you shouldn't, you know, kind of dump your stress on your children or the people that you love. And I've had friends in my life in and out of addiction that have killed themselves. And it, uh, it's absolutely terrible. And I'll try not to get emotional talking about that. We've all experienced that level of loss. And uh, I don't believe, you know, my honest opinion is, is that uh, pain, you know, originated in the Garden of Eden, whether you think that's a metaphorical or a literal deal. Uh, it all began with Cain and Abel. That's when pain began, right? You know, crimes against each other. You can even go back to, uh, you know, the whole, uh, you know, forbidden fruit, Right. And we've just been passing pain back and forth ever since. And when we make the decision to harm ourselves, the pain doesn't go away. It's just transferred to the people that we love and people that love us. And they're left with all these questions. They're left with all these worries and all these regrets that couldn't reach you. And it is okay to ask for help. And I'm going to take this part of the show to remind you, if you are thinking about hurting yourself or others, dial 988 on your phone. Just like calling 911, dial 988. There is help available. Anonymity guaranteed. You can talk to somebody. And the thing that I've learned about life, and uh, you know, I'm a guy sometimes that gets caught up in, in so much, man. I, I do. I, so when I get tired or whatever, I, I, and I'm not productive, you know, those days when you just don't feel like doing anything, and by the end of the day, you're like, I've wasted this entire day. Sometimes you just need a minute. But other times you go through that and you start thinking, you know what, man, there's just, there's just not a lot to live for, right? And then all of a sudden you begin to think and you, you begin to, uh, you know, work through your thoughts. And uh, I like to get a gratitude list out and write down all the things I'm grateful for. And remind myself that I do have a reason to fight, that I've got a reason to live. And uh, again, mom, dad, you're the only superhero your kids are ever going to know, ever, ever. And there's so many people out there that cheer, you know, when the hero falls, but your kids aren't one of them. Your kids are just but always can give you the benefit of the doubt because you're teaching them how to live. They're dependent on you, not just to, to feed them and clothe them and that sort of stuff and make sure they got a, a roof over their heads, but to teach them how to navigate life. And sometimes it can be very difficult. It can be. So don't hesitate to reach out to somebody. There is no weakness in admitting you're hurting. Matter of fact, I think it's the complete opposite. I think there is strength in admitting your vulnerability. Rather than just try to go it alone, reach out to somebody. Uh, my DMs are always open, right? If you don't want to talk to me, if you're worried about me blabbing, you shouldn't. But if you, if you're, if you are, dial 988 on your phone and you can talk to somebody today because you truly have a reason to fight. Number three. Back to the positivity, even though a reason to fight is very positive. Uh, talking about suicide can be difficult, right? Uh, but indestructible. I'm indestructible. And there are times I feel that way. There are some days I'll ride down the road, man, I'm gritting my teeth. I'm thinking, man, people better not get in my way, right? You know, you have those days when you feel like everything is just kind of going your way. And that's how life is. And that's the thing I've learned, too, is this too shall pass, right? Uh, it's true. Good times, bad times, and different times. The only constant in life is change. But man, those days when you feel like it's just on top of the world, you know, like when you're driving to, to Starkville, right? When you live out, outside of the, the Golden Triangle and you're coming to a ball game, and it's like, I'm going to be with my people, man. I'm going to go out there and get my cowbell out, and everybody's wearing the same school colors, and we're going to go out here and destroy this football team or basketball team or baseball team. 
there's just a feeling of euphoria that associates that. It makes us feel like together we are indestructible. Number two, back to the debut album, it's Down With The Sickness. Love that track. Love the vocal on it. Love the guitar riff on it. It's Down With The Sickness. But number one for me, the song that started it all, the debut single and the debut album, I remember back when MTV played music and uh, there were some other video channels. I can't remember the name of the, the uh, it's like much music or something. You could dial in and you could pay like 50 cents or a buck on your phone and get a video played. And uh, this is one that I did occasionally. Stupefy. The great song, Stupefy. Love it. What a great debut single from a band that has had a tremendous amount of staying power. It took a little hiatus at times, but uh, they're back and kicking tail, man. And uh, love Disturbed. Love Dave Draymond. And uh, he is such an advocate uh, for so many people that struggle. And uh, that's the thing, too. There's so many times that people feel like they're alone. That's one thing Dave Draymond did when, when he gave the big speech in concert. Is he goes, raise your hand if you've been impacted by this or you know somebody or love somebody that has. And every hand in the arena goes up. And it's a reminder we're not alone. And that's what addiction and, and uh, depression and other things do. They try to convince us that we are unique in our pain and we're going to die of terminal uniqueness. Nobody could ever love us. Nobody could ever understand us. I know. I've experienced those things. And uh, I, I can tell you. I mean, it's like one of, one of the things that I'm very honest about is, uh, you know, thankfully we're about a month away from Dana being done with travel nursing. And we'll be together every week. Either she'll be here, I'll be there. I'll get a chance to see her every week. But being away from her for a long time is not good for me. I'm just being honest. And that's not to be manipulative or to, uh, to put this on her, but I have invested so much of my life, my love, my emotion into this woman. I am not right when she's not around. I'm not. I'm not. And uh, I'm willing to admit that. And, and I, I, I'll tell her all the time, instead of her, instead of telling her how pitiful I am when she's not around, I just tell her, everything is better when you're here. Everything. Everything is better. I'm better. Life is better. Everything is better when you're around. And uh, you can't pour from an empty cup, though, right? I mean, you can't just keep pulling and pulling and pulling from the person. You've got to be able to sow some seeds and give them some benefit in the relationship, too. But uh, I I can tell you, if you are one of those people, and I used to be, and I will soon be again, but if you're one of those people and you get to lay your head on the pillow every single night with your significant other next to you, you are among the most blessed and fortunate people in the world. And I can say that from experience because for the over the course of the last two years, I've probably spent more time without her than I have with her. I know that I have because, you know, for about eight months there, she was in New Mexico and I got to see her about once a month. And so I share that with you. Don't ever take that for granted. That's one of the things that we've talked about. I said, you know, it's not going to the shows or the ball games and all that stuff. It's not the, that's not the stuff that I miss day to day. It's just, you know what, hey, hey, I'm going to Walmart. Do you need anything? Or like coming up here and you're breaking me a drink, you know, it's like, hey, I just want to come up here and see what you're doing, you know, check on you, whatever, uh, you know, sit down watching Netflix, you know, watching Big Bang Theory reruns or whatever, and just being close to each other. You know, if you are a person that gets to experience that every single day, you are among the richest people in the world. Don't ever, ever, ever take that for granted, because I did for many years. It's like, oh, I got this going on, I got a book signing, I got to go to this, I got to go to ball game, got to travel, you know, and then... One day it's gone for a while, and all of a sudden you realize how much you need that. And so I share that with you to be open, but also to uh, don't take those moments for granted. Don't. Because I'm going to tell you, 
there may come a time when you got to be apart and maybe it's an extended period of time and i look back over in hindsight and i think i don't know, i don't know how i made it uh, and that that sounds so pitiful but it's the truth of the matter you know the first couple of months is like oh we're doing rock vegas and i've got this and i've got that i always got somewhere to be it's fine it's fine it's fine and then you know i got to november and i look up i'm like wait a minute where is my wife where is my life right and so I was like, I'm not going to keep, I'm not going to live this way anymore. So we began to formulate an exit strategy. And so you can change your life and you can change your life for the better. Uh, but I will tell you this, and I probably said it on the show before, uh, I would sell the business in the house and follow her around the country if that's what it took. Because that's what matters to me. You may feel differently, right? But there are people in your life that you value above all. And it's important that they always understand that and understand, too, that don't ever, ever, ever underestimate the hole your absence would leave in the lives of people you love, whether it be whether you're contemplating suicide, or whether you're contemplating you know, divorce or separation or whatever. And I understand that sometimes that's necessary. Right. I get it. But the reality of it is there are people that love you. I love you. Even if I don't know you, I appreciate your contributions to my life by listening to this show and buying the books and subscribing to the website. But at the end of the day, we're all part of the same experience. We're all part of this. We're all living the same human experience. And sometimes we need a soundtrack to kind of give us a little uplifting message. And, and that's what Disturbed does for me. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. You can find me on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. Roy is on Twitter and on Spotify, where you can find our wonderful list at Dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. It's so interesting, too, how Roy has become such a part of my weekly life, right? Uh, Sometimes we get a chance to talk and break bread, but, uh, you know, Roy has become an indispensable part of this show and uh, gets nothing from it other than the fact that he gets to claim that he's my friend for whatever that's worth. And uh, Roy is my friend, and uh, I love it when they come to town. And uh, he's also a rocker, and he's also a guy, too, that uh, loves Mississippi State. So maybe consider giving him a follow. He won't be tweeting out uh, pictures of his food, you know, things like that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you're always looking for, for cool people to follow. Well, Roy's a good guy to follow. He's not going to load up your feed with uh, extraneous material that means nothing to you. It's mainly Mississippi State stuff. And so uh, be sure and check him out. And uh, as always, if you got ideas, let us know. We just might use them here on the show. Final segment of the show brought to you as always by Campus Bookmart, a Stark Billion institution. I love Campus Bookmart. You love Campus Bookmart. Next time you're in town, go by and celebrate being back in Starkville by seeing their smiling faces. Uh, go by and get your interlocking MSU merchandise. Of course, uh, Campus Bookmart, the official home or the official host of the university unveiling of the new Vintage Vault interlocking MSU logo. Be sure and check it out and support a Starkville business. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over $75. Any order less than $75, absolutely incomplete. And I can tell you, with all this new Mississippi State merch that's available to you, you're going to spend $75, and you'll be glad you did. Be sure and check them out, as always. And, uh, again, you're running out of time to outfit the family, but you've still got time to get some online orders in and then be able to wear those wares on the way 
to Stark Vegas next weekend when you come and uh, bring the cowbell hell on southeastern Louisiana. Campusbookmart.net. Again, promo code BSR. All right. Let's spend a little time talking about Western Michigan. You know, this week we're uh, doing our non-conference previews. Once we begin to play these teams, we'll revisit these and just kind of see how they're doing in season, who has been like the uh, the stars for them, who are their contributors, what their injury reports look like. So we'll get a little more in-depth as we go. But it's kind of a preseason glance. We discussed Arizona on Monday, if you haven't gone back and listened to that show yet. But looking back at the 2022 season, uh, for Western Michigan, be our first meeting with these guys, just so you know, too. Uh, they opened up last year with a loss at Michigan State. Very competitive game, though. And, not, and Michigan State was preseason top 15. 35-13 was your final, but it was a competitive game. The next week, they get into MAC play. They go to Ball State, and they beat the Cardinals 37-30. to The next week, they host Pitt, which is interesting. Pitt going to Kalamazoo, Michigan. Competitive game again. But in the end, the difference in the way programs makes a difference as Pitt wins 34-13. They go across the country and take on San Jose State and lose that ball game 34-6. San Jose State, not a great team. The next week, they take on the University of New Hampshire back home in Kalamazoo. That's a 44-7 win. Eastern Michigan in the MAC. The in-state rival, they lose to those guys 45-23 there at uh, Waldo Stadium, which is the uh, home venue for Western Michigan. The Bobcats of Ohio go in in homecoming and ruin the weekend 33-14 win for uh, Ohio. The next week, Western Michigan figures it out. They go and uh, take down Miami of Ohio 16-10. Miami of Ohio is the alma mater of Mike Nemeth. Uh, former Mississippi State media direction, media relations director, and uh, current Jeans Page columnist. Following week, they lose a tight game in Bowling Green, Ohio, 13-9. We played Bowling Green, too. They lose to Northern Illinois, 24-21. They bounce back to beat Central Michigan, 12-10, over in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. I'm sure that was a fun game. Not a lot of scoring. And they close out with a 2014 win over the Rockets of Toledo on Senior Day. That game happened to be on a Wednesday. It's interesting, too. You go back and look. We talk about Maction. Like, every one of these games down the stretch was not on Saturday. Like, the last Saturday game was Miami of Ohio. And they play on three consecutive Wednesdays and then a Friday to close out the year. That's an interesting dynamic to me. So, 5-7 and seven overall last year and 4-4 four and four in their conference. And, again, they do end the year. Uh, with back-to-back wins, so probably a little more of a positive feeling heading into the offseason uh, to win those ball games to feel like they're somewhat maybe headed in the right direction. Uh, you know, we'll see. You know, th- that's the big part of all this is like, uh, you know, everybody talks and everybody uh, has opinions, but we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. So the thing about the MAC is you, you never know from year to year, right? I mean, it's, that's one of the reasons we love it. You get Maction after dark on ESPN. It's great. It's wonderful. All right. Uh, so kind of working through this thing here, uh, kind of thinking about, you know, what's it going to look like? Uh, they want to run the football. They have run the football last year. Didn't work out quite as well. And a lot of that's got to do with offensive line protection, things like that. And, uh, you know, so we'll see. You know, kind of a rebuilt offensive line. They got a couple pieces back. 
that's a tough draw for them, having to take on a defense like us where, number one, we're athletically superior, but also it's a scheme you don't see very often. You know, the angles and the twists and the stunts and the stuff that we do is somewhat unique to this um, 3-3-5 scheme that Zach Garnett employs. And so it's tough to get ready. And you're already having, the, again, you're already on the downside of the talent differential. Then in addition to that, you got to see a pretty unorthodox defense. So we'll see. Uh, leading return uh, running back last year, Sean uh, Tyler, is gone. Um, so going to be debuting some new backs. They worked the transfer portal and tried to get some guys out here this spring. Of course, they had a couple guys kind of emerge. But, again, kind of a rebuilt patchwork offensive line with a new bell count running back in a scheme that expects to run the football. Could see some growing pains with that for sure. Uh, they have not – settled on a quarterback unless they've done it here in recent days. But they do employ the quarterback run as well. So you'll see some spread elements and some quarterback run when we do play these guys. A lot of skill guys from last year's team is gone, so you don't expect this to be a step forward for them. You, you really don't. Uh, should be a, a game that we should manage. Of course, we're going to play them much later in the year when they already have maybe found a sense of themselves. Uh, defensive coordinator – change there, or excuse me, Lou Esposito is the defensive coordinator there. Uh, they made the coaching change. He was retained. Uh, they're a team, obviously, that uh, kind of prides themselves on slowing things down, kind of shortening the game on you. It's one of the reasons, you know, when, when you play good defense, you can stop the run and run the football. You can win those ball games that are ultimately a little more competitive and a little tightly, tightly contested. Uh, but the reality of it is, is I just don't think this team is going to have what they need. I think from a personnel standpoint, not just with us, but in there, there's just a lot. And, yeah, again, it's a, it's a new coaching staff, but the reality of it is there's going to be so much to have to overcome. You're making some schematic changes, you lose some big players. They had several guys hit the portal and ultimately land somewhere else. They did get some incoming traffic as well. Andre Carter comes in from Indiana. Brandon Siski from Florida State. Uh, so you've got some power five players that are there looking for more playing time. And how much they get kind of you know, remains to be seen. Uh, probably one of their best prospects on the team, as far as pro goes, is uh, uh, Mason Nelson, a big 300-pound defensive tackle. You know, we'll see what he can do. If he can eat up some space and allow those linebackers to make some plays. Um, expected to be more of a you know three-four type scheme. So we'll, we'll see how that works for them. But defensively in a secondary, uh, could be a leaky group out there. And so. Um, you know, we'll see how things progress with them. But, again, this is a game that we expect to win, and we should win rather handily, to be honest with you. Let's take a look at this 2023 schedule uh, for these guys. And, uh, you know, again, with Mac, with the MAC conference from year to year, you, you just never know who's going to rise from the bottom and then surprise. And, and I guess they could. I mean, you know, I think looking at it on paper, you look at it and say, you know what, this is probably not a good year for them. May see a setback this year as they begin to, um, you know, lay the foundation for a future. But they open up, should be a win for them. They open up August 31st. So eight days from now, if you're so inclined, you can watch St. Francis play at Waldo Stadium against Western Michigan on ESPN+. If you're looking for something to watch on Thursday night and you want to watch a future Bulldog opponent, uh, eight days from now, you can watch Western Michigan play. Should be a win. The next week, 
they get the benefit of a longer work week having played on Thursday. They will go to Syracuse for week two. That's a loss, which will make them one and one. Then the next Saturday they head to Iowa. All right, that's a loss. It's one and two. They get Toledo at home. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt here. And say, okay, toss-up game, conference game, team they beat last year. We'll go with that and make them two and two. They have to travel to Ball State, and uh, I don't know a lot about Ball State this year. Maybe you do. Toss-up game, let's favor the uh, the home team here. So that makes them two and three. The next week, they come to Mississippi State. That's October 7th. That's the wife's birthday. That's a loss. Makes them two and four. At home against Miami, Ohio, a team they beat last year. And so let's go with the dub here and go three and four. They got to go to Ohio and take on the Bobcats on the road. Let's go with the loss there, three and five. They have to go to Eastern Michigan, a team that beat them pretty handily last year. Let's give that also to uh, a loss in the loss column, makes them three and six. Central Michigan, that's going to be at home. That's the battle for the cannon, as they call it. I don't know, Military Appreciation Day and battle for the cannon. Let's go with the home team, make it four and six. Northern Illinois and then Bowling Green to close it out. So I think you're probably looking at like a five and seven type year. Maybe four and eight, maybe six and six. I don't think this is a team that's going to set the woods on fire by any stretch of the imagination. And again, you begin to work through this. Again, a lot of changes within the organization and a league that is very unpredictable. And so, yeah, they could pop up and do some things. But I know many of you like to watch and kind of prepare, do your own game planning. And uh, you're going to be able to watch them play if you want to. Um, you know, first three ball games of the year if you're so inclined. But uh, that ball game against Ball State, I don't know that that's going to be televised even on ESPN+. And so you want to get a first glance at them, probably your best bet is against Syracuse or against uh, Iowa. Probably see how they match up against Iowa. You know, again, Iowa's a very physical football team too. They're probably not as skilled as we are, but uh, they're a team that will beat you up at the line of scrimmage. I think that's an important thing to – Think about too is you know what's this team going to look like? What both teams going to look like by the time uh, this ball game rolls around October seventh? And again, that's about six weeks from now. It's crazy to think about that. But uh, again, I, I like the way that the schedule sets up for us. I kind of like having that non-conference game later in the year so we can rest some guys if we need to. Like that. Kind of. You know, some people want to play all of them up front, and there are play three up front and play one before rivalry week, and we're doing that too, which other miss, which again I think is a it's a calculated risk. It's going to say it for why I see it. You know, I think Southern Miss, even though I think we win the ball game, we may have to play a lot longer. I don't, I don't think you can discount those guys, and we're going to talk about them on Friday, kind of what to expect. A team that's certainly capable of winning a Sunbelt Conference. I don't think Western Michigan is going to be the factor in the MAC. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but uh, I don't think so. I think most prognosticators have them last in the uh, in their division, you know. I mean, so it may skew more towards three and nine, four and eight for them. But uh, again, there's so many toss-ups in all this deal too, and and uh, you're kind of looking at the you know, the preseason All MAC team, and there's and there's a bunch of these lists out there. You know, everybody's always got uh, you know some some questions. Everybody's always got some uh, some ideas of uh, how everybody should look. But you know, you look to the first team offense. Not a single player from Western Michigan on the list. Look through the first team defense. 
not a single Western Michigan player on the list. Um, you look through the second-team offense, there is center Jacob Gideon is a second-teamer, according to Athlon Sports. That's the first mention of a Western Michigan player uh, on the list. And you get a little bit deeper, and then there's Ken, uh, Kenny H. Lovely, a cornerback that makes a second-team defense. He did lead them in interceptions last year, if I'm not mistaken. But you start working through this, and, and you see there's just not many names here from the people that follow this league that are kind of given, you know, thumbs up to. Only two players in uh, three teams from Western Michigan that even get, uh, you know, a mention. You get all the way down to the fourth team, and you see receiver Jelani Galloway, who's a guy that's, uh, you know, potentially a breakout player for them. Uh, but outside of that, there's just not. There's just not much mention of these guys. And, again, you begin to think a, tal- a, a talent-deficient team following a coaching change, you know, expectations aren't going to be high. So, again, as we work through this, you know, you feel like, hey, Southeastern should be a dub. Arizona should be a dub. Maybe more difficult than it was last year. Uh, I think the humidity here is our friend in games like that. It's the thing, that's the thing, too, it's so interesting to me, like people out west, oh, it's so hot. Yeah, it is. It's hot. But you don't have the humidity. People are like, oh, but it's still, no. And then they come here and they're like, oh, my gosh, this is ridiculous. Did I die and go to hell? No, it just feels like it. And that's a little bit hyperbole. It's going to be a lot worse. Uh, but that said, you know, again, you start thinking about these non-conference games. And, again, we'll, we'll preview Southern Miss on Friday. State should be able to win all four of them. And we need to. We need to win all four of these games. I think of the games on our schedule, Western Michigan is probably probably um, the second easiest game on the schedule. And now people hate to hear that. But when you begin to think about talent differential and kind of the current state of the program, Southeastern Louisiana is a winning team. But they're also from the FCS. So from an athletic standpoint, they shouldn't be able to compete. But don't be surprised if they don't come in here and hit a couple of you know, big plays just to kind of make things interesting. Uh, but then there's Western Michigan. And I think when you start looking at, you know, the degree of difficulty, Western Michigan is probably just right there with Southeastern. You'd like to think they've got a different brand of athlete, and they certainly should. They're a Division One program. But also, too, they've had some uh, Power 5 transfers and things of that nature. But this is a team that is not expected to do much this year. Again, I think 5-7 and seven is probably the ceiling for this team unless they just happen to just – Absolutely surprise somebody, but um, should be a losing team again this year. And again, that Mississippi State should win handily. All right, in the final moments we have left, I want to talk a little bit about future football schedules. You know, they've, the announcements have come out, you know, about some of the non-conference teams are going to play, and uh, they've already set the SEC schedule for 2024. Uh, next year, too, in the non-conference, I'll run through this. We're going to play the Eastern Kentucky Colonels. Uh, in the season opener. That's going to be August 31st of next year. And then we will travel to Tempe, Arizona. How much fun is that going to be? We went to Arizona last year. We'll get Arizona this year. We get Arizona State next year at their place. That'll be fun to go to Mountain America Stadium. The following Saturday, again, we open up with three non-conference events. Uh, The UMass Minutemen will make their return to Stargill. I think the last time we played them here was in, uh, in 16. I think that's right. But uh, nevertheless, so three non-conference games to open, and then later in the year, we're going to play uh, 
Let me look here. Yeah, we get so we're at Georgia, Arkansas, Florida, Missouri, A and M. We're at Ole Miss. That will not be uh, not be the regular season finale. Then we're at Tennessee and at Texas. Tough schedule for sure. Tough schedule, no matter how you look at it. Uh, flip into 2025. Of course, they haven't set the conference schedule yet. Your four non-conference games are at Southern Miss, Arizona State, Alcorn State, Northern Illinois. That's uh, an important important game for us because those are four games that we should win, to say the least. And we need those games. We do. We need those games. But, again, at Southern Miss to open August 30th uh, down in Hattiesburg, you might want to go ahead and get your tickets now because, you know, they're going to want you to buy season tickets to buy that game. So, And tough luck selling the rest of them. But, again, Arizona State here, Alcorn State, and the NIU Huskies. 2026, we're going to have the directional schools, right, Uh, the – Louisiana Monroe Warhawks come in, and then we go to Minnesota. That's a bit of a drive. I've made that trip. I've made that drive to Minneapolis, Minnesota. The Twin Cities, really nice area up there. Um, that's uh, another one of those Power Five games, and it could be removed. You know, we could be playing a nine-game SEC schedule by then, but as of now, we're expected to play Minnesota. That's a game, of course, that could change. The Troy Trojans come back to Starkville, and then Tennessee Tech, the Golden Eagles, that year, 2026. Looking ahead to 2027, Minnesota comes here at Troy. I don't like that. And then the University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, Moccasins, we still have a non-conference game to fill uh, for next year and for 2027. We'll see how that plays out. But, uh, you know, who knows? what Minnesota's going to look like in the event, again, we play them. 2028, it was announced yesterday that North Alabama, UNA, will be the home opener in 2028. We'll play the Texas Tech Red Raiders and then add Memphis September 16th. I know how much you guys love going to play in the Liberty Bowl. And uh, one more game that we'll have to fill in. And, again, that Power 5 mandate may change between now and then. You can never get too far ahead of the game. And if you're looking for the return trip to Lubbock, that's going to happen 2029, September the 8th. The following week, we'll host Memphis here at Mississippi State. And, uh, of course, two more games uh, to fill out on the schedule. We're going to play an FCS team every year. Uh, Washington State, and I'm curious if this gets played, but Washington State will be here in 2030. Again, these are the Mike Leach schedules, right? Uh, September 7th, Tulane will come here, and then we're at Southern Miss again. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I'm just telling you, I don't like going down there playing. And it's got nothing to do with them. It's just such a bad experience for our fans. 2031, we'll go to Washington State, Pullman, Washington. We can't go much further away than that. Probably never going to happen again in your lifetime if that game is played. And, again, it's eight years from now. A lot can change. And then the Southern Miss is scheduled to come here uh, for that game, the return trip in there. And then finally looking at 2032, the only game we have set on that schedule is at Tulane. So we'll head down there and play at Yulman Stadium, a chance for us to go enjoy a, a September weekend down there, probably Friday night. I'll see many of you on Bourbon Street. But you start looking at this and you begin to ask yourself, 
there's the Power Five contracts. There's all this talk about going to a nine-game schedule. I, I still don't think that's going to happen right away. Uh, you may disagree, but the, the talking heads out there, it's like they run with whatever they've heard last. And I don't think a lot of these people think for themselves. If it's not financially feasible for us as a conference to go to nine games, we're not going to do it. I've belabored that point on the show before. I'm not going to do it again here today. But it makes no sense for the SEC to beat each other up and lessen the probability of getting more teams in a playoff by playing each other. And you got 14 teams in the league right now. You're about to go to 16. And so if we're going to play that extra game, that's eight losses. Whereas if you play the Power Five mandate, continue that, and not have to play non-conference games, you've got a chance to win 16 games and improve your strength of schedule and improve your positioning. It's just not, it's not in the best interest of the league for us to go to not. I, I won't be convinced otherwise unless ESPN or another media partner comes in and puts down a huge significant um, difference in the TV deal. Why would we make it more difficult for ourselves and not share in the, uh, the financial benefit of that? And again, people said, but Steve, I'm so tired of us playing, you know, Alcorn State or Central Connecticut Tech or whatever. That game's not going to go away. That's what I don't think that, – that's the argument that I always see. I'd rather see a big matchup. Well, basically, instead of us playing Texas Tech, you'll probably fill that with Oklahoma. And so what's the better matchup for us? Okay, well, we're going to get a chance to go to Arizona State. The novelty of that will probably influence you to buy tickets. But when you're going to be able to play Oklahoma – you know, every third year or so, well, that's not a wise use of your entertainment dollar. Wouldn't it be fun to go to Minnesota and go up there and say, you know, hey, I, I was there we played Arizona. I was there we played Arizona State and Texas Tech and Washington State. I think those are more intriguing matchups because the only time you see those games are in bowl games. And a chance to go up there and see their campuses and, and have an opportunity to do that. that. To me, that's the better fan experience. But you and I both know this is not driven by fan experience. It's, tri- it's driven by finances, every bit of it. And, again, don't buy into this. Well, they're gonna re- we're going to play non-conference games, so we're going to get rid of playing, uh, you know, southwest Louisiana. Not going to happen. You'll just lose the Washington State. You'll lose the Arizona State. You'll lose Minnesota. That's what you're going to lose. So it's not going to be beefing up the schedule, right? And, and I don't think the SEC should ever do anything just because the Pac-12 did it. They're like, oh, but they got non-conference games. You should do it too. Well, you know, how many years did we were the only league that had a, a conference championship game and, you know, the Pac-12 didn't? The Big Ten didn't. Then, of course, they went to legends and leaders and all that sort of stuff. You know, Greg Sankey is a visionary, and Greg is going to do what's best for the SEC, and Greg is going to work with our university presidents to ensure that we get the best deal for ourselves. We should not make it more difficult for us to get to the playoffs when so many other teams for years and years and years kind of negated the, the importance of a conference championship game. Then all of a sudden they began to see that, hey, the SEC became the dominant force. And so, again, I, I look back at all this and I think to myself, There are a lot of people out here that are really just kind of throwing caution to the wind for the sake of what they believe is a better TV deal and not thinking about the impact it has on the individual seasons for the teams that are involved uh, in their conference play. 
And I also I think it'll be interesting, too. Uh, I know that John Cohen was very much an advocate for the eight-game conference schedule and the four non-conference games. Uh, how does his vantage point change now that he's at Auburn? What, what's in the best interest of Auburn? And John's a guy with that is argued against changing the scheduling format. Well, if that's the case, if he continues that same line of thought, then all of a sudden we have another vote at Auburn that maybe we didn't have before. And so that you have Zach Selman, of course, that understands what's best for Mississippi State. And so I, I think this nine-game conference schedule thing is probably going to go on hiatus for a bit. But the bottom line now is we're getting ready to go play the 2023 season. I'll be back on Friday. We'll talk a little bit about Southern Miss kind of preview what their season's going to look like. And uh, we're going to wrap up our um, our camp coverage this week over at jeanspage.com. Next week we'll be in game week. We'll be talking about Southeastern. And we'll, we'll try to make that matchup as sexy as we possibly can. But the reality of it is, is you're not coming to see a great matchup. You're coming to see Mississippi State play a football game. And I remind you, too, it's been an awfully long time since we've had a game to attend or to follow. And if you're like me, the dog days of summer have really drug on. It's really been one of those deals. I remember how great 2021 was. Now you play baseball all through the month of June. All of a sudden you get to July, and like by the time you take your family vacation and do your school shopping, it's football season, right? I mean, I miss those days. Because as soon as we get done with all that stuff, we're in the, we're in the fall camp or in preseason camp, whatever you want to call it. But for back-to-back years, we just haven't had anything going on in the summer unless, uh, you know, you took the family down to Gulf Shores or something. And so I'm, I look forward to us having a big academic and athletic year this year. I'm eager to hear the enrollment numbers uh, now that the class is in session, uh, to hear, you know, perhaps how we've grown. Are we maintaining? Are we losing ground? What, what are we doing? You know, uh, I'm a firm believer in this. The best marketing that you have for new students is the strength of your athletics programs. That adds something to the college experience when you can go and see meaningful games. And uh, I'll give you a good example. Ian, my youngest, who is now a student at Mississippi State, majoring in criminology. Um, you know, for a long time, we wanted to go to Southern Miss because they did such a great job recruiting them. And in the end, you know, all of my girls, of course, I uh, went to Mississippi State, and they were like, Ian, you're not going to enjoy that as much as you will at Mississippi State. And uh, Audrey was like, it's an SEC school. And he loves basketball. He does. He, he is an NBA freak. Loves following the draft and that sort of stuff. And I just kind of told him one day, I said, just think about this. Uh, Chris Jans and the Bulldog basketball program is about to really take some positive steps. And not to mention, you're going to be able to go see – Mississippi State play Kentucky and play Arkansas and play Tennessee and play these teams are going to have players that are future NBA players. If you go to Southern Miss, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You're going to be able to go see players, the future stars of the NBA at Humphrey Coliseum in a newly renovated Humphrey Coliseum. That made a difference with him because in his mind, hey, I can go to Southern Miss and get a good degree and uh, have a good experience and be close to my grandparents and dad and mom got a lot of good friends down there. I'll be three hours from home. I can kind of do my own thing. Or I can go to Mississippi State like uh, most of my family did and enjoy sitting in the student section, you know, being in the hump, being at Davis Wade Stadium, hanging out at Duty Noble Field, 
and seeing games that truly matter. And if you don't think those things work hand in hand, you're kidding yourself. And that's why it's so important for us to brand and market ourselves in a great way and recruit at a high level. Because young people, and I guess it's not just something that's germane to young people, people want to be affiliated with a winner. And it's like, hey, I can go do some amazing things and I can see some amazing things as a student at Mississippi State because of the strength of these athletic programs. Then think about your own experiences, right? And how many times people say, oh, yeah, I remember this game. Me and some of my college buddies got in the car and we drove to Arkansas and watched Mississippi State win that game. I was there in 15 when Benique West Brown blocked the field goal. And you wouldn't ordinarily have had that memory if you'd gone somewhere else. And there are a lot of people that are Mississippi State and Ole Miss fans to go to Southern Miss. They do. And they just don't cheer for Southern Miss. And there are some other people that are – incredibly passionate about Southern Miss athletics, and they're very bitter and resentful about the fact that they're no longer considered a big three in Mississippi. But uh, this should be a very good athletic year for us, and I think when you begin to take inventory yourself, and probably the thing right now you're probably the most concerned about is baseball, and, uh, and rightfully so. But right now we're getting ready to play football, and then we're going to play men's and women's basketball. And so I think this fall semester is going to be one – that uh, we all look back and, uh, and have some fond memories of. You know my expectations for this football program, and I think we can all – I think both of us – both of us. I think we all can agree that both basketball programs are trending in the right direction. Both teams make the tournament last year. I think the expectations to make it again this year, right? And so when you start working through the fact that we're going to play football and we're going to get through fall baseball and we're going to get through our non-conference and, and men's and women's hoops, I think – I think we're going to have a lot to celebrate come the holidays. Ensure that somebody in your family has uh, one of my books under the Christmas tree this year. Uh, You can get all of my sports books and the newest book, When the Bottom Falls, at whenthebottomfalls.com. You can pre-order When the Bottom Falls. That'll be uh, out in a few weeks. You can get Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains, Flim Flam, and Dogpile. Uh, right there and of course your stark villains gear available at starkvillains.com get some t-shirts get some hoodies um we'll get together and take some pictures together how cool is that i i love that logo i, I do and i love the phrase stark villain uh, so be sure and check that out and as always come be a member with us over jeanspage.com the mississippi state affiliate for 247 sports uh the most dominant name and what we do i i thought about that earlier today as i'm looking through the website I remember a time, remember, you remember it wasn't too terribly long ago, you, uh, you went and got the local paper to read a story about Mississippi State. A story. That was it. You got a story. And then on some days you get a column. So you may get two. You know, we're giving you several stories every single day. And that access and that coverage was not available uh, until Al Gore invented the Internet, right? Uh, and then, you know, we had the uh, rise of, fan sites and web pages and things like that and now we're you know, credentialed members of the southeastern conference and uh, around the country and do a better job covering mississippi state than anybody else and always will so come by and check us out be a part of that uh, like us on facebook follow us on twitter and uh, we love it when you share our content too if you read an article you like please share that and uh, share the show as well but until next time let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.